Hey Miley, we need some intro music. Ooh. <laughs> I like it, I like it, I like it. Woman, get it. Okay, let's go down that road. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> There's a surprise at every turn. Woman, get it. Hello, hello. Welcome to this week's episode of Woman Get In Podcast. I'm so happy that you're with us, and uh, my name is Miley. And I am Mandy. How are you doing, Mandy? And where are you doing what you're doing? <laughs> this is like a where in the world are Miley and Mandy episode because <laughs> we're both in funny, like not our usual spaces. I am in San Diego and I'm at my best friend, Ben, and his wife, Bree's house. You're house sitting and babysitting? I'm not house sitting or babysitting yet. I'm just here. So I decided to come into town because of a vegan festival that was happening this past weekend. So I kind of rearranged. I didn't really have to rearrange anything. I didn't have um, anything past a certain day on the books, like Friday. So I just pushed everything into the morning, delivered all my orders Friday morning, and then drove to San Diego Friday afternoon. And then Saturday went to the vegan fest here in San Diego, which was the first ever. It was Ooh. A lot of fun. They, I think they did a really good job. They sourced a lot of vendors, food, um, like artisan vendors. So lots of non-food. Oh, I should get my earrings and show them to you. Um, or I'll post a picture yeah. on our Instagram for people listening. I'll just, so your earrings today, by the way, are super cute. I was going to say, <laughs> you put your earrings on. We'll take a picture with both of us wearing our new earrings. That's a good idea. I, there is, um, there's a, there's some people that do these fruit earrings. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but it's like, I've seen a lot of the orange slices. You can get slices of oranges or lemons or limes and they dehydrate them and then they lacquer them. Yes. I have seen those. So one of the girls who's been doing that for a while was a vendor at the festival. And one of my friends from Phoenix happened to be wanting to go somewhere local and had been considering going to San Diego. So before this whole trip, I had messaged her and said, Hey, any chance you're going to be there on this date? Cause I'm planning to go for, there's a vegan festival happening. And I'm planning to be there for this festival. Like if you go, then we should meet up. And she was like, yeah, actually that is one of the dates. So she and I met up and we wandered the whole festival together all day, but she really wanted earrings from this gal because she had lost one she had a set of the pomegranates. So you know what dragon fruit pomegranate looks like, or I'm sorry, not pomegranate, dragon fruit, pitaya. Oh yeah. So it was the white pitaya. She had lost an earring in an airport years ago and she really wanted to replace the set. So we went to that vendor and of course we're standing there chatting for so long. And I'm like staring at all these earrings. Like, do I need another pair of earrings, Mandy? Like, girl, you don't need another pair of earrings. Don't even think about buying any more jewelry. But of course, we're standing there so long that I'm falling in love with earrings because earrings are like my favorite thing in the world. Like I have some bracelets that I really enjoy and I enjoy very specific things as far as my bracelets go. They have to be stretchy and small because I have teeny tiny little like six inch wrists. So I like stretchy bracelets and I like them to be specific stones to bring certain feelings. With my earrings, I just like them to be colorful and just that's really my biggest requirement is that they're colorful and they fit my mood for the day. And I have long admired these style of earrings. So when I saw this pair of earrings at the stand, they're persimmons. Have you oh. ever had a persimmon? Oh my gosh. It's like an Asian fruit. Asians love persimmons. Like my mom yeah. makes me 
Like she gets them and then she cuts them and she like puts them in my lunchbox for me. <laughs> yes. That's so cute. You're like a lunchbox. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, persimmons, I was like, what are these? Cause I've never seen them sliced and then dried. So mm-hmm. it has almost a squarish shape to it when it's sliced that way. And I was like, what are these? And she said persimmons. And I was like, oh my gosh, I kind of love them. They're bright orange and they're just so, they're huge. You know, they're like um, at least three inches. Like they're pretty oh, good wow. size. Mm. So, and I, I don't know. I just, I don't have a lot of big, bold earrings. And I thought, what a, what a vegan thing to have for my earring collection. So <laughs> I got this big ass pair of persimmon earrings. Um, and we ate all the food. I bought tons of sweets because the sweets vendors had no lines and we ate like all sorts of savory food. We tasted some, we had African food. We had pupusas, which are, oh my gosh, I'm going to mess that up. Um, oh my God, I'm blanking. Don't hate me. Don't at me people. But we had pupusas. We had corn dog. We had, what else did we eat? Oh my gosh. We had vegan sushi. Um, it was a ton of fun. We had, we literally spent the entire day, like 11 to four at the festival. You can't really tell right now on the zoom, but I'm a little pink here on my nose. And then I'm a little pink, like right at the top of my forehead, a little bit in my part, but, um, and like even the tops of my forearms got a little bit pink and I reapplied sunscreen twice throughout the day. And it was only, it was like mostly sunny, little bits of clouds, really nice temperatures breeze. Cause we were on the water. So it was kind of like, I never got hot. So I never really know, but I put sunscreen on twice, but I still got a little pink. So I'm sorry, Debbie, don't yell at me the next time you see my skin. <laughs> looks good on you too, though. So that's good. I'm glad you got a little bit of color. Yeah. In, in some places. <laughs> and my feet got a really cute, um, checkerboard from my sandals. So <laughs> Yeah. It was, it's a really fun day though. It was, um, I didn't run into anybody else we knew from Phoenix, even though it turns out there were a few people there from Phoenix, uh, Tess, you remember Tess, our, uh, relationship and personal development coach guest from a few episodes back, her cousin was there. Uh, but there were so many people there in the thick of it that it was impossible to really see anybody you knew. So but it was a lot of fun. We had a great time. We spent That's the so whole day there. What's that? They were successful. Yeah, it was really good. I brought the organizer because we'd been chatting online. I brought her some vegan, some cupcakes, obviously vegan, everything's vegan. It's organized by a vegan, but I brought her some cupcakes because I had a few extras when I was leaving town and she posted them in their Instagram story and was like, thank you, Mandy, for feeding me because I don't know if I would have eaten anything today if I didn't have these cupcakes sitting around readily available. Oh, that's wonderful. That's so thoughtful of you. Yeah, it was fun. It was really good. It's been a great weekend. And then just been hanging out with Ben and Bree. We went, Bree took me to one of her friend's houses. They had a tea party. And the baby? Yes, and the baby. Baby uh, baby cubed? Yes, baby cubed. BB to the BBB, triple B. Um, (laughs) we, uh, We went to a friend's tea party yesterday, which was super cute. Uh, I had tea and Prosecco because those were the vegan options. So I drank my lunch yesterday, but, um, yeah, it was, it was fun. It was nice, really cute house in Carlsbad. She did a really fun little setup. I told her, I said, you inspired me to have a tea party. Now I want to make little sandwiches and scones and sweets and have friends over with tea. That is super cute. We should totally do that. 
Yeah. And then I thought, do I really want to go through all that trouble or should I just go to drink me tea room again? <laughs> yeah, that was super fun. But I think like uh, for one of our girls nights, I think it's just fun to do it with our girls at, at one of our houses. That would be really fun. We could do that as a girls night. I could like make, we could all make different little finger foods. And I mean, there's plenty of tea that isn't caffeinated, so it wouldn't keep us up all night. And then we could have champagne. Yeah. Or caffeinated and stay up all night watching movies. And <laughs> doing, cause I'm doing always crap. so like, by 8 I probably do need caffeinated tea to keep me up. That is true. You usually do poop out pretty early. <laughs> I don't want to be lame. I'll have the caffeinated tea. Okay. So enough about my weekend. Tell me, tell us where you are. Tell oh, us right. all the places you have been in the last two days. Oh, goodness gracious. Uh, you know, I, oh, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I completely forgot. Just the last 24 hours have been crazy hectic. I'm glad that um, you remembered because, <laughs> okay. So uh, long story short, it has been a wild like few days. So I was in Phoenix on Friday because we had day for special smiles, which is a big annual event that I've been a part of for about 11 years, where we bring people who have uh, disabilities in to provide uh, free dental care for them. So it's been wild the last couple of weeks, just putting that event together, finalizing it, bringing all our volunteers together, just feeding everyone, making sure all our patients get there safely, they get there and they get taken care of. And so that was a wild day. It started at 5 a.m. in the morning. We finished around 3 uh, three, four, three, three thirty, four o'clock. Then I jumped on an airplane and went up to Chicago, landed in Chicago at like 1130, got to the hotel at 1230, woke up at 630 to go to a meeting for the Academy of General Dentistry. That was all day until, well, we finished early, which is, I was really excited. We finished early at four o'clock and the Academy of General Dentistry is an organization that I volunteer with and I work with to promote things that are related to dentists. And we advocate for shaping the dental profession, especially in um, like legislative issues and how we practice. Um, believe it or not, like politics and laws and regulations and policies just they dictate how we as practicing dentists practice so you have to speak up and fight for the things that you think you have a right to and how you're going to take care of the public and a lot of things like that and then just helping each other be successful so a lot of that all day on Saturday and then jumped on another plane to go back to Phoenix uh, but that was delayed and I got home at 10 30, 11 o'clock, as opposed to nine o'clock, like I was planning on. Then I woke up at three 30 to make it back to the airport so that I could jump on a five o'clock airplane to South Dakota. 5am for anyone who's counting times. She got back at 10 30 PM and then had to get up at 3 30 AM to make a 5 AM flight, which I, when you told me this in a text message, I was like, why the fuck didn't you just fly from Chicago to South Dakota? Like you were so close. There wasn't a flight that would get me here at the same time as the rest of the team would. And because of the way the nonprofit organization is paying for and funding the trip, they're funding everyone from Phoenix. So oh, I had to get myself back to Phoenix. They had already booked the flights before. It was just a mess. So uh, yeah, it just didn't make sense. Like logistically, even though distance wise and geography wise, it would have, but are yeah. you in so the million mile club yet? Do you have a million miles yet? <laughs> I 
you know, I wish I did, but based on, you know, I'm always limited on what airlines I can fly. So it's kind of distributed amongst a bunch of airlines. If I could, I, I, I try to stick to one airline. I try to stick to Southwest. So most of my flights are Southwest. Like I have, I have my, my travel planned out this year and I already have a total of 30 one-way trips this year with Southwest and the others are with American Airlines. Usually if I can't fly, if an organization doesn't let me fly with Southwest, my second option would be American Airlines. Yeah, I mean, American, so, I, feel like yeah. those, Anyways. I feel like American miles are going to take you different and better places than Southwest miles. I mean, Southwest miles are just going to fly you around the country. American, you can like get off this little rock and hit a different one. I do, but I think with American Airlines, um, I I struggle with the, the lack of flexibility that I get with Southwest. And so, um, yeah, so I, right now my life is a little crazy. I do need to be flexible, especially with all my, like, I do so much traveling. I need the flexibility and American airlines tends to be a little rigid with transferring or changing flight times and things like that. Uh, Bill, so I really thought everyone got rid of those rules. You think so? And maybe they have, and I've just gotten used to Southwest and I don't want to change because they've got, they've um, gone away with the uh, travel fees or the fees that you, you know, you have to pay, but to it's change. still, even when I try to book, yeah, to change. But even when I try to book, just to make initial booking plans, it's not as user-friendly or as easy as Southwest uh, and as quick as Southwest. And, and so, yeah, it's fine. It's all good. Whatever. Uh, well, I hope all these organizations with- appreciate you flying all over the damn country in the last two and a half days. Um, it's been fun. Uh, the thing is I've never knock on wood. I've never had luggage issues. I've been very grateful and lucky and thankful for that until, until yesterday. So we had seven checked bags. We all, um, we, we had our, so we, we flew from Phoenix to Dallas and then our flight from Dallas to Sioux Falls got delayed by two hours. So we didn't even make it to Sioux Falls until three o'clock. Uh, and we were supposed to get here at one o'clock. And the reason why it's really important is it's a four hour drive from Sioux Falls to St. Francis, where we're doing our mission trip. So I always like us to get to, St. Francis around 6 or 7 p.m. so that I can set up and orient everyone and then still have time for uh, just like settling in, unpacking, just relaxing before a whole week of a lot of work. And so we were back two hours uh, when we landed because of the delay. And then also when I drive the four hours, I, I don't want us driving in darkness for too yeah. long either because it's, you know, it's long roads, right? It's uh, like so, backwoods, I, I imagine, and a lot of like yeah. two lane highways. Yeah, a lot of two lane highways. So that took us to three o'clock when we landed. We landed and we were missing one of our luggages and we couldn't find it. Like no one could, no one could figure out where it was. And then around four thirty, uh, we finally were able to uh, find out that they, um, it was, it was supposedly on some flight that was going to land in Sioux Falls at 5.30. So we're like, okay, it's 4.30. We might as well wait another hour to get the luggage. So we're like, okay, we'll go get some food and come back because everybody at this point had like had only been snacking, right? Because we, we, yeah. I was in land at one o'clock and feed everyone lunch. So we will get a snack, come back at 5.30. No one around, like dead. It's like creepy and eerie. Like no one is at the airport. We can't find anyone at American Airlines. So, you know, or at any of the other, airline ticketing counters. So we end up, you know, talking on, uh, like calling a corporate number and automated systems. I hate calling corporate numbers. We can't reach anybody because it's in circles. Like 
If you need ticketing, if you have luggage issues, press one. If you have this issue, press four. And we just, and then eventually you just, you go in circles and then the system itself hangs up on you. Anyways, we end up getting onto the website and we talk to somebody on a chat room and they are like, unfortunately, the bag never made it to Sioux Falls. It's still in Phoenix. So I'm thinking, okay, fine. Just leave it in Phoenix. We'll figure it out. So we start driving because I'm like, let's get on the road, get, get to St. Francis because it's 5.30, 6 o'clock by this time, actually. We're going to get home at 6, or we're going to get home at like 10 p.m. or something. I'm like, yeah. we need to get home and rest, right? So we start driving and uh, eventually I just make the decision and I'm like, tell the live chat person to just leave the dang thing in in Phoenix, because we're not making it back to Sioux Falls. To I was going to say, what are you going to do? An eight hour round trip for a luggage? Fuck no, the airport, if that gets there, they need to bring that to you. So then <laughs> this morning, we unpack everything. We orient everything. We have the dentures that we need to deliver, which was the number one priority. The number two priority is a Nighthawk that allows us to do the digital Seric crowns that we need to do the next three days after today. That Nighthawk is in that piece of luggage. So no. I'm like, okay, let's, we need it. Like if like we need it, like we, it's, we need it. So uh, we get back on to the live chat with American Airlines and we're like, okay, send it on the next trip to Sioux Falls. Apparently it's not in Phoenix. Apparently after an hour talking to somebody on live chat, it's in Chicago, <laughs> but it's on its way to Sioux Falls and it'll be in Sioux Falls by noon. So I'm like, okay, well, you need to take it to us, but they were, they could not guarantee that they could get it to us by tomorrow because what's the point of me getting it tomorrow or Wednesday or Thursday? I need it. Otherwise we're only here for three, we're only working three days. Like I'm going to lose a lot of time and ability to help people. So I'm like, okay, I send two of my students and my doctors, they start driving to Sioux Falls. They get there at four o'clock again. No one's at the ticketing counter. They wait around for another hour. They find a human being and they find the luggage. So right now they are on their way back with the piece of luggage. Uh, But, and in the meantime, we've been here in St. Francis and we've uh, started delivering the dentures and we, everything is okay. I'm setting, I, I had a backup plan and I was working on the backup plan. And so now we can actually double up our crowns tomorrow and Wednesday and Thursday to kind of make up for any, like some of the work that we couldn't do today. (laughs) Oh my word. And then on top of it, I started my period three days early and I was supposed to start on Thursday so that I would be back in town by Saturday to do the testing because I need to be on birth control and I need to get an ultrasound and do blood tests for baseline records so that I could get prepped for my egg freezing in May. And since I'm three days early, they need me to start birth control this Wednesday instead of Saturday. They need me to get blood tests this Tuesday, which is tomorrow, and get an ultrasound this like before Wednesday. And I can't do that. So now they've, they, now I, I cannot do my egg freezing in June or May, June, which is the cycle I wanted. So I'm a little uh, oh. upset about that. Well, and, and the thing- so, but at least your trips in May have been canceled, right? Yes, but there's one trip in June that I can't cancel. And now if I move to the July cycle instead of the June cycle, um, 
I, I don't know what I'm going to have to do. I, I can't move that trip in June. I move, I kind of moved and canceled everything that I was able to in order to make the June cycle because things that like, is dependent on a couple of weeks in May and June. I cleared everything so that I could do the June cycle. Now that they're moving me to the July cycle, it means there's a few weeks in June that I have to be available in July. So, but uh, yeah, I don't know. So I'm a little ticked off about that. Not like I'm ticked off because when I talked to them originally, I told them, my period is tentatively going to start in like on Thursday, which, but I'll be gone as long as I'm back by Saturday, they were okay with it. And, but I said, if it starts early, can I do the testing where I'm at, which will be in South Dakota. And the, the nurse I talked to said, we prefer you to be in Arizona, but we're willing to work with you to do it out, out of state if you need to be. So I'm upset because one nurse told me I could, and now it happened what I was fearing would happen that it would start early. Uh, now another nurse says I can't do it. And You're it's like, also just write the prescription and I'll go anywhere and get an ultrasound and the meds. I, yeah. I found a Walmart. I found an ultrasound facility and I found a blood facility that would draw my bloods here in rapid city. And I said, I could make it all happen, but now they're like, it's easier for us if you're just in town. And I'm like, that's not cool because your other nurse said that we could work, make it work. So I'm You're like, well, it off. feels impossible to me to make it work with all your rules. Exactly. And I have to do all this communication via a text message app because they don't want to talk to me on the phone. And every single time I talk via ad, text messaging, it's someone new. And so I get I'm getting really irritated. That is frustrating. I don't like that. That's a really hard conversation to have yeah. in a text message. All of my text messages are paragraphs. I feel like, you know, like when you're dating somebody and you just see paragraphs. Yes. And there's just tons of paragraphs. And I'm like, I can't be any more concise or to my point because you are so difficult, but it's fine. Everything is okay. Everyone is alive. Everyone has 10 toes and 10 fingers and all of my team members are alive and they're happy. And they're, I'm just, you know, I, I, I'm grateful. All I can do is just be grateful and be okay. No, no one has died. Everything is, everything is fine. <laughs> and your little, your, your contraption is on its way to you. Yeah. And, uh, and it's so funny because there's been so many like, Dr. Miley, we need to talk about something or Dr. Miley, we have a hiccup. And all I do is just laugh. And <laughs> I, I kind of like that, that that's my reaction. I, there's nothing more I can do, do except laugh at the situation and make it part of the adventure. It is a part getting, of the story now. Oh my gosh. Are you getting blinded by the sun right now? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no problem. Um, but yeah, other I'm than surprised that, you still have sunshine up there. Cause it's what six 30 or seven 30, six 30, six 30. Okay. It's still sunny. It is. Mm -hmm. Nice. And there's no snow and it's actually really nice weather. Yesterday was super windy, but there's no snow. So nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's lucky in California. It's kind of chilly. It's like not even the 60 degrees, I think right now. Wow. And I yeah, did crazy. not pack for this weather. <laughs> I didn't pack for this weather either. Uh, so it'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. Life goes on. We'll both uh, it's be a, fine. It's supposed to be warm by the weekend. So I'm, uh, I'm hopeful for that. <laughs> I'm like, please give me some sunshine and at least hit 70 degrees because I brought two long sleeve shirts and the other one is long sleeve, but it has like, I mean, I'm here for 10 days 
but I looked at the weather. I'm like, it looks warm. It looks mostly sunny. I brought a little shrug type of sweater to wear over some dresses. I didn't bring the only closed toe shoot I brought. I brought uh, tennis shoes, like one pair of tennis shoes. I brought a pair of Toms. Everything else is sandals. I can't do rain. I'm going to need this weather to get it together. <laughs> so uh, next weekend's plans have to be super casual because I forgot my boots like, you know, a pair of like dressy boots to wear out at night. Those are still sitting in my bedroom. My watch, my fitness, my Fitbit, my watch band is cracking. So as you were messaging me about jumping on this call right now, I was like two minutes because I'm on smile.amazon.com and I'm ordering myself a new watch band to be shipped here to Ben's house by tomorrow. So I'm like, anything I need, I'm just shipping it here on Amazon, but I'm not going to buy more shoes. I'm like, if I can't be comfortable in what I'm wearing, then I don't, I don't know. I have to just suffer through it or change the plan. Oh man. I feel well, like I, I brought a fuck ton of clothes and I'm just like, I brought as much as I could. I brought jeans. I brought, I barely remembered to bring a pair of pajamas. I brought dresses. I brought a bunch of cute dressy outfits, but I only brought flat shoes for them. So I'm like, okay. So it has to be just slightly dressy kind of vibe. <laughs> It can't be so dressy that I need heels. Oh, yeah. I was like, my earrings dress up my face. I didn't realize how how big of a difference earrings make for your face. And the earrings I have are uh, made by uh, a Native American person here on the reservation. And he handmade them. So this is one of a kind. And he gifted it to one of my resident doctors for working so hard on uh, their case today. And then she gifted it to me. And so um, I didn't realize I was telling Mandy, I was like, I didn't realize how dressed up my face looks. I'm not wearing any makeup except a little bit of mascara. And I actually look pretty decent. I could go on a date right now. Like I look pretty, I like, uh, you know, like I, I feel pretty good about myself. I should probably wear earrings more often because it makes me feel pretty. Uh, this is, and I, uh, my reply was that I feel incredibly naked when I'm not wearing earrings. Check out my persimmons. Oh, wow. That's really pretty. Aren't they amazing? They're okay. I've been wearing earrings for like 35 years and the last two weeks I'm having the hardest time finding the hole in my ear, putting in my earrings. Usually I just like, like, I don't even have to try. Look at these. So good against your dark hair. I know. That's what I said. I kind of wanted the Pitaya ones, the white dragon fruits, but I was like, nah, I like these orange ones. They go with my coloring. Oh yeah. And, uh, the thing is, uh, you know, like you're talking about the holes, um, in your ears. Uh, I was talking to Katie Martin. She just got a new ear piercing. And I think, I think I'm ready for a second piercing in my ears. So I think one of these days I'm going to, I think I'm, I'm going to get a second piercing right there. Low on the low, or are you going to go up high? I'm probably gonna do the low lobe and then maybe in the future, I might do the high one. I th- I'm, I'm getting brave about this whole piercing thing. Get, See, I'm gonna I, add holes into my body. I think they're really cute when you get them up high on the cartilage, but like, I almost, I have my hair down like more than 85% of the time, I would say. So it's like you, though, you have your hair up. I think they would look, it, it looks so cute. I think when you get a few on the cartilage, but also I hear it's really painful yeah. and I'm a side sleeper. So that's why I'm going to start with a second hole and then just work my way up to the pain. Okay. You tell me how that second hole thing goes. (laughs) 
Oh, you'll come with me so that I have someone's hand to hold and you'll feel how you'll feel how painful it is. That works. You get uh, a piercing and maybe I'll get my first tattoo. Ooh. Okay. I like it. I like it. I've been really, I mean, for years I've been wanting a tattoo, but like the the itch is getting much more intense to get to get a little tiny bit of ink, something small. Okay. Can't wait. Um I might have some recommendations for you of places if you don't have any. I do actually. I know a few vegan tattoo artists in Phoenix. So, um, and I've seen their work on people like on friends, like Josh has a guy who's done a bunch of ink for him lately, as does Joanna. So I'd probably just go to him, but I appreciate that. I'll let you know. Well, uh, what are you talking about? I'm going to be there with you. I'm not getting ink, but I'll watch you get ink. Yeah. You're going to hold my hand. hand. (laughs) I was going to say, you might have to hold my hand while I'm watching you get ink. I hear it doesn't hurt so much as it is like annoying, like a little scratching annoyance type of feeling. Um, And being that I scratch myself all of the time and never notice, maybe I won't even care. (laughs) Times a thousand, you know, just whatever you experience just times it by a thousand. Maybe I'm just going to get like a tiny little cupcake doodled on me somewhere. Oh my. Um, Speaking of cupcake, we have a fun guest today. You have a great guest and the episode is super fun. It was. I listened to the draft that you sent me and I giggled through the first few minutes. That was very entertaining. It also happens that I'm very smitten with the person who is a guest today. So why did you make that face when I said smitten? (laughs) Because I love the word, but it also made me think of the picture that I took of you too. So I was just going to say like, we should post that picture. We'll see. I'm debating what picture I want to, I, you know, I don't want to blast all of his information and his face onto the internet. I mean, I, I already expressed to him I was before I heard the episode, I was like, I'm kind of nervous and I don't really get nervous, but I was like, I'm kind of nervous to hear the episode. And he was like, why you don't think it will be good. And I said, no, I know it's good. I knew it was good when we recorded it. I'm just nervous because I like, I'm putting him out and I feel like I'm a sense of responsibility for putting him out into this public space. And I want people to adore him as much as I do. So like my only nervousness is on how it's received, but now having listened to the draft and knowing that at the time I loved the episode, I'm super excited for people to hear it. Yeah. I'm super excited for people to hear it as well. Cause it's not only just him, but he he represents the material and the information that we really wanted to showcase like really well. And I really appreciated his honesty and, uh, and just how fun he was to, to chat with. And so, uh, I had a great time and I hope our listeners do too. And I know they will. Should we tell people who they're going to be listening to? I mean, they'll know by now, right? Well, they will, but I think what I wanted to say is you can still put the picture up, but put, uh, the, uh, Maybe I'll just put a little heart over his face. <laughs> oh, I was going to put the. Not the taco, but the other. Oh my gosh. The enchilada. <laughs> no, not the enchilada. The... Oh, the tamale. Tamale. <laughs> yeah. My, how quickly we forget. 
I do have a picture of us three saved from we went to the ball game with you and I put a tamale over him and I have that picture actually saved. So maybe that's a great idea. I love you. Thank you for <laughs> thank you for that. That's a that's a good idea. I will probably run it by him, even though I think he already gave me the clear for that picture. <laughs> But I was like, what yes. picture am I going to use for social media to tell people about the episode I was trying to decide? So, but let's not tell uh, the, let the listeners, let them listen to the episode and get introduced to him. Yeah, I'm sure they can kind of figure it out based on this intro. So uh, I'm excited for everybody to listen. Enjoy the episode. Today's episode is uh, pretty exciting. We have a special guest in the studio today, and I am not going to introduce him. I will have my lovely co-host, Miss Mandy, introduce our guest today. There's a man on the show. Oh, I think a man. Should that be the title? <laughs> There's a man on the show. <laughs> I like it. Oh, gosh. Okay. So as we do, I asked our guest to send a bio and... He did deliver. Ah, okay. <laughs> I I like when men deliver. <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> oh, thank you, Miley. <laughs> well, no, was I was that inappropriate? I have no idea That's what's wonderful. happening. Wonderful, you're fabulous. Okay, so uh, here's the intro I was sent by our guest, a okay. guy who averaged 14 ejections in a 12-game Christian men's basketball league through five seasons three-time electric slide champion still heartbroken over taylor and joe's breakup oh. full-time dad software engineer and self-proclaimed swifty des des who we may know as uh the current mr mandy mr mandy welcome to the show thank you for having me <laughs> <laughs> i'm excited tell me more about the uh electric slide uh, three-time champion, yeah. uh, you know, freshman, sophomore, junior year. Oh, what happened senior year? Uh, I had a knee injury. So oh, is that what it. we're calling it? Sure. Well, that's what that's what the papers printed. <laughs> oh. For sure. During the slide, you had a knee injury? Yeah, that's, we're getting too deep. Let's just go with the three-time <laughs> slide. I just want to know more about this knee injury. I thought your knee injuries were soccer related, which I noticed you left soccer out of your bio. Oh, uh, that's purposely done. You know, I don't want people Googling me too much. Oh, so, right. yeah. yeah. Soccer star Des. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so can you tell me more about the ejections? <laughs> uh, oh, my God. When I first read this bio, I saw the word ejection and my brain automatically saw the word erection. And I was like, what the fuck am I reading? When and she I was said like, it out loud in my head, I automatically thought erections. <laughs> See? What kind of podcast <laughs> am I on right now? <laughs> I don't know. You tell we're, me, we're Des. Mr. Mandy, you tell erection. me. I'm just saying. That's, and, <laughs> that's what that's what I read. That's what Miley heard, even when I said the right word. Well, it's ejections. <laughs> Let's clear that up. So you weren't having erections during a basketball game? <laughs> Not a Christian's men's league, though. No. <laughs> Where are we going with this? Nowhere. And it said, Absolutely nowhere. It said heartbroken over Taylor and Joe. Yeah. Taylor and Joe, who just yeah. broke up. A what? I don't know a Taylor and Joe that just, just broke up. Just I broke thought up? you meant Swift. Yeah, I thought, Taylor no. Taylor Swift and her current or ex-boyfriend just broke up. Oh, I was no, 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 Joe I Jonas. Were, yeah. I don't know anything Wait, about another Joe. I thought Joe. they were like madly in love and they were like. Mm -mm. Breaking news. Breaking news. They just broke up. Okay. Well, okay. 
I apologize for Taylor, but this is not about Taylor. This is about you, Des. Stop okay. changing the subject. Sorry. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're talking about normalizing and showcasing involved dads. Yes. Because Des, per his bio, he's a full-time dad. Correct. Full-time. Yes. I like it. Yeah. Always a dad. Once a dad, always a dad? Once a parent, always a parent. Yes. Can you tell me more about that and what that means to you and why you specifically chose to say full-time dad? I think once you're a parent or you're even a dad, it's you're always thinking of your kids first. You know, everything you do, even on a day where you don't have your kid, if you're splitting time between parents, it's always what's next, what the plan is for the week, you know, anything from food to activities. So, you know, you always have it on. So it's your day might be flowing on what you want to do with your friends, your family, but your kid is always going to be the first thing on your mind. So full time. Did you know that before entering fatherhood or is this like a realization you came into afterwards? It's something I think I was being told a lot through a lot of people was, you know, you're always, things are going to change when you have a kid. And so it immediately, like when we knew we were going to have a kid, it was like full time. It was there. It was on all the time. What can I do to get better? What can I do to prepare? What's going to happen? Did anything in your life before becoming a father help you prepare when you think back to your childhood or your teenage years or anything like that? Anything you think prepared you for fatherhood? For sure. Um, My grandparents were very in-depth with us as kids. They were very always there for us. Um, And then growing up where I didn't have a father... Um, I mean, I did, we all have fathers, but didn't have one to like raise. an involved and, father. Exactly. I knew I was like, I'm going to be there always because of that. So that's what kind of put me on that track to always put like my kid first and always on my mind. So it's not anything I want to forget or plan to forget. I really like that. Mm-hmm. I think the, the words like involved father is really important, right? We throw around the, you know, you got to show up and you got to be there. But what does that actually mean? You know, in my mind, I think about it being there for the good times and the bad times, being there any moment and every moment your child needs you. Um, I grew up just like you, very much like Mandy as well, without a father. And when you think about a father being there, it means being there for when I trip and scrape my knee, when I choke on something, right? I think back to your little one and the whole popcorn incident and you not wanting her to overdo the popcorn eating and it's moments like that that mean being there like you're you're there when she experiences her first kettle corn experience right and then getting so excited she fills her mouth with it and you don't want her to choke it's just little things like that right it's the big things and the little things and so i really really appreciate that well there's a thing that parents talk about especially dads with like dad tuition parent tuition You see things happening or you assume things are going to happen because if you've seen it once, you've seen it a hundred times over and over again. Um, you know, with even with Mandy, I think we were at my place and I was like, oh, can you grab her a bowl for her popcorn? She's going to drop that bag. And she's like, she'll be fine. And sec- I didn't, say, no, I didn't later, say anything. I turned around to take her a bowl. And bef- as I turned around, she dropped the bag. It's just there. It was there. It happened. Like I knew it was going to happen because it's something that's happened before. So <laughs> trying to make things easier, trying to like, get ahead of it. It is there, that tuition. But like there's parent ears, dad ears, mom ears that you hear things that others don't. It could be louder. It could be quiet. I'm, you know, I can barely hear as it is, but I can hear my kid 
roll over in the middle of the night sleeping. Like there are these little things that all of a sudden activate as soon as you become a parent. It's very interesting. And it's something that I'm glad I, I have, but sometimes I wish I could just maybe tone down or not turn off, but like tone down just a little bit. Wow. Yeah. It's like when the house is too quiet, what's going on? Something's stirring up. It's just, you know, your parent tuitions. Did you feel like you had to force that at all or did it just happen kind of naturally? Uh, no, I think it happened naturally. I think there's, especially when you have a newborn, mm. you want to hear everything or you want to see everything and then it just starts becoming it always. Okay. I feel like you're more advanced or what is the word I'm looking for? More contemporary? Like in your views of fatherhood. Like I don't know that all new dads are wanting to hear every noise the baby makes. I mean, I have plenty of friends who hetero couples with newborns and the female complaint is that he never gets up with the baby. He doesn't hear the baby cry, et cetera, et cetera. So I feel like you are maybe... Well, may, maybe that's where he is now. How old is your little one now? She's six now. Six. She'll be seven. So maybe can you think back to the first year and tell no, us think- a little bit about some of the challenges... I'm sure there must have been some challenges that happened in the beginning, maybe even personally, like were there moments where you didn't want to get out of bed and tend to her crying or, you know, what was it like that first year? Oh, absolutely. I I think Mandy's, she's correct there. I am a little bit probably more into it than most other dads, I would say. But um, there are some dads I I know that kind of ignore it a little bit. (laughs) But I would say the first year, absolutely. It was very hard to always want to get out of bed or always want to rush to do something on it because you were exhausted or tired but you know at the end of the day it's it's your responsibility that's your kid there are stories i have with other dads that you know kids will vomit on them do things on them that they're just like oh my god it's the worst it's the worst and just thinking or talking about it grosses you out but when it happens it happens it, it you have to deal with it you have to do it because nobody else is and it happens to moms, it happens to dads, it happens to both parts, probably both of them sometimes. But it's just something that you have to just get up and make the bottle at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. you got to peel yourself out of bed. If you've got to go to work on a few hours of sleep, that's what you got to do. Well, you made the, the choice to have a baby and you got to deal with all those little things that nobody tells you about. That the books don't warn you about and the doctors when they send you home. Nobody tells you all that stuff. There's no manual? No, not at all. So maybe to Mandy's point, I really do appreciate that you seem very aware of the responsibility of being a, a, a good father to your little one. Can we call her little one? Does she have a nickname? Little one? She's got a bunch of them, but little one. Yeah, we'll go with mm-hmm. little one. Uh, so, and I, and I want to come back to what makes you a good man and a good father to the little one. But maybe let's kind of start the episode talking a little bit about like what makes you a little bit different than the the men that maybe aren't involved and how can we give some advice to some of those or inspire them to step up to be more of an involved dad like do you have any advice and you you had said you had some stories about some some people that some dads that might not be as involved as you for me i think it's more of just wanting to be there and be more involved than having the task and duty I think all of us know that as soon as you tell somebody to do something, they're not going to want to do it. And especially us stubborn men, as we were talking about. (laughs) Uh, We don't like to be told what to do ever, but we also just want to have fun. And 
sometimes you can kind of go about raising your kids and definitely have fun and make it fun, make it an activity. But I think it's more of just wanting to do it and, and being involved into it. There's a lot. It's a lot to do. That's why some some take it as a task and it can be yeah. exhausting. But if you can make that a fun task mm-hmm. again, but it it goes pretty yeah. smoothly. I have a friend. He became a father at the age of 24. And now, four years later, he struggles a lot with losing a life that he would have had if he had not had his little one. And it's so hard because I can I can try to understand where he's coming from, where the the time that he has with her, he is such a great father. And he he loves her so much and he does his best to try to take care of her. But he loves not having her at times. Like when he doesn't have her around, he doesn't step up to the plate. It's as though she doesn't even exist. He talks a lot about how he regrets not having her, but just losing the life that he'll never have since he chose to become a father. How old is this guy now? He's 28. Okay. So four years. And like what I hear is that he hasn't mourned the loss of those years. It sounds like he hasn't. But those are the kinds of fathers that I think of when, you know, that are different than you, Des, where they're still struggling to step up. They step up some of the time, but not 24-7 like it sounds like you do. Do you have any advice on something like that? Mandy, you had touched on that too, so feel free. I I mean, that's a good question. Like, have you mourned a loss? Because... It wasn't like a planned pregnancy necessarily. Was there a mourning period of your more wild and free, however you want to say it, type of days? I, I think not really for me because I was in my 30s when I had her. I think I had that 20s fun. I was out and about with friends. My life has been a little more different than other 20, 30-year-olds. As soon as we knew that oh, there's a baby coming, there were a lot of things that we, like, especially myself, I needed to subtract from my life. Like, I wasn't going to be the 20, 30-year-old party animal anymore and stuff like that, which I was okay with. There's a lot of new dads who are having kids quick who it's an interruption in their life. You can you don't have to make things like your, your child interrupt your life or make pause your life or stuff. There are days and weeks, maybe even months, that you might need to not do anything. Just focus on your kid, focus on the relationship, focus what's going on. But if you do things right, you can maybe just adjust your time to fit with the child as well. Life changes when you have a little one. Yeah. And you have to adjust to it no matter what. But you also have to make yourself happy as well. So find that you time as well into it. Uh, I did a pretty good job with my little one there. You finding you time in there but as well as i have a lot of fun with her as well take her to different baseball games take her to soccer games do whatever we can it's fun and that fits with my life as well as that's something she likes now so we, we adjust it i see with uh new dads with new babies mm-hmm. life just stops mm-hmm. or they're nervous because i had this and this and this planned well yeah it still could be a plan not as planned as you as soon as you wanted it to be Maybe just adjust it a little bit to later. I always tell a lot of uh, new dads, I always congratulate them. I'm like, welcome to the to the team. Welcome to the club. But, you know, it's not hard. 
there's just adjustments that have to be made. And I tell everybody this, it's not hard to have a newborn just as long as you're doing it like carefully and just understanding your time and managing it. It's pretty, it's fairly easy. I've read on some places that uh, socializing can be difficult for dads and also on top of it, the idea of therapy to work through some of quote the loss that you have Mm -hmm. once you become a dad can you comment on that especially because you are a male perspective i know i've suggested it to some of my friends who are fathers whether they're single or not single but uh i've suggested it but sometimes i wonder is it because it's coming from a female that they may not be open to therapy is it you know i i want to be there for some of my dad friends but i don't know if i'm the right person and maybe it takes another Maybe it takes somebody else different than me to be able to give some of this advice and maybe they'll hear or, or, or listen. Well, I'm a fan of therapy alone in general. So, I mean, if you can, I myself have seen a therapist for many years, specifically in the last year and some has been, I've upped therapy because of the changes in my life, but as well as for my daughter. If you can better yourself just in any form, you're going to better the people around you as well. So being a parent is going to help. I find myself to be a strict father. You know, I am on top of her about certain things. Um, when it, Especially when it comes to school, the way that you treat people, just to be nice about it. There are times where I feel like my anger can get the best of me and I don't want to take it out on her. You know, I we can kind of get into a little yelling match back and forth. But there are times that with therapy's help is just calm down. Remember that there's somebody you have to speak to and just talk it out. I mean, kids, a lot of parents out there want to go and rip their hair out and, and kind of scream into a pillow because their kids are driving them crazy and you don't want to scream at your kid. You don't want to throw things around. But there's also times where it's just best on like regular therapy. Just kind of walk away, think about it for a second, have that communication. But to better yourself, to just, it betters your child. Um, there are especially if you are in a relationship that both parents could do therapy with each other, it helps the child. There are classes out there that you could take that helps you speak to your kids. You know, and a lot of people just ignore it because that's ah, my kid. That's how my mom did it. That's how my dad did it. Well, my mom did things very different than I do now on purpose because of the way that she did it or my grandparents did it. We're not our parents anymore. There is change out there. There is things that help us be better. As far as like kids socializing and going about like to to not have that to take socializing friends and everything i think times have changed with that too as all the friends that i have that are having kids or when i had my bring your baby over there's restaurants and bars and breweries now that are just open to that so you know just involve your kids involve yourself and you'll be fine so you and your little one's mother are not together Correct. And you were for some time. I mean, if you two were still together, that'd be a deal breaker for me. But you're not lucky for me. Okay. So <laughs> you were for some time. Now, what percentage of the caregiving would you say you, when the two of you were together raising her, was your, like, what percentage of the responsibility was yours? At the beginning of my little one's life. Uh, her mother was involved a lot more simply because I was working a few jobs to support the family. It was, I needed to pay the bills. And, and at that time, especially during postpartum, it was hard 
So it was something we had to really work with and identify. I think that's something most dads really need to be educated on. It's it's very different from everybody. You don't understand it. So with that understanding, she was there for most of it. But recently, I would say in the last, since I haven't been working multiple jobs, and since she started school to be picking up, I've taken most of the responsibility. I've, I'm there with her most of the hours of the day. Um, now that we have split time, it's... It's her and I a lot. So I would say the majority of it now is what I'm taking. If there's like a percentage you want. No, I just was curious early on what percentage you felt you played in caregiving specifically. And do you identify with the term caregiver when it comes to parenting or do they feel separate? Feel separate. Caregiver is kind of an interesting word when it comes to like parenting. I think it's parenting. Um, you know, you can be a caregiver for anybody with a, with a kid. You have to like parent. There's a level of intimacy there There that a caregiver may not have with the child. Caregiver is, I guess, I think they're, they're blend, but I can see how the difference between caregiver and parenting, like parenting is instructing, instilling values, teaching, guiding. Yeah. I, I, I can agree with that as well. I think there is, of course, a huge level of caregiving there, but parenting as well with it. So at the beginning, I would say... Maybe what Mandy was asking, correct me if I'm wrong. Do you think it was 50-50, less than 50, more than 50? So that you don't have to give a pers- like a specific percent? At the beginning, I was less than 50. And now it's definitely over 50%. It's a, it's a, it's a lot now. Which is, for me, I, I, I love it. The more the time, the better. But Do no. you think it's an outcome of, one, you being able to... Be more in control of your work schedule, uh, too, because you're separated from the little one's mother. Um, like, what kind of factors do you think play into that versus the opposite? Let's say if you were still working at a job that you were working eight to five in an office versus, you know, if you were still with the mom. I wonder if some of those factors may have given you the opportunity to actually be above 50 in terms of time with the little one. Absolutely. Well, that's something that I have kind of architected myself. Like I, I personally worked harder to get a better job. So I didn't have to give that full eight hours in the office. Yeah. I work from home. I am my own boss now. So it does give me the opportunity to make my hours for her. If it's volunteering at school, if it's picking her up, if it's dropping her off, if it gives us more hours in the day, it's definitely something that I've done to give myself more of that 50% that I can do for her. Um, it's by design. I love that. Yeah. And it, it's and that's... Know, a lot of people definitely don't don't have that opportunity to do it. Uh, the pandemic definitely kept me home to do all this. But I knew that I wanted to try to get as much time as I could, especially when she's in school. I, growing up, had always wanted my parents to be a chaperone mm-hmm. or I wanted the parent on field day. So that's what I do. Yeah. I know Mandy likes to say that I'm like super dad or doing <laughs> things. I want to do it because I know yeah. that it makes her happy yeah. because I knew it would make me happy and she loves it. And there are days where I don't even tell her I'm doing it. I just show up and then she's oh, like, oh, really? What she's a excited surprise. about it to like have lunch or to be picked up with a friend or somebody yeah. that we're doing pickup for the day. Things like that. Yeah. I think the moral of the story in my head is first. For all our fathers out there, like you actually have to want 
You have to, you yourself have to want to step up and be there more for your child. It just like, I don't think it's not just with men, but no one wants to be told what to do. And so, you know, maybe we all need to not tell each other what to do. Yeah. And help and help <laughs> other people want, like arrive at their own desire. And once they do want that, because I'm just again, I I only have my my friends perspectives to think about. And I think about my friend who, you know, I don't think he's there yet to the point where he wants to be there for his daughter 24 seven. And that's probably going to be the biggest battle. But once he overcomes that imp- implementing strategies such as finding a job that allows you a little bit more control over your time allows you to be there for your daughter, or your child more. And so I also, like as a friend, I probably have to kind of step back from giving him all these different strategies and advice and just help him get to the first step, which is mourning, like Mandy had said, mourning over what, quote, he supposedly lost, changing his mindset into realizing, well, maybe it's not that he lost certain things. He just has to adjust his expectations, adjust what he envisioned for himself and then get himself to a place where he does want to be an involved father. And then what does that involved father look like is what I'm getting from hearing from you. But let me know if I'm not. I mean, Des has an incredibly grateful attitude towards the fact that he's a dad. I think that huge. changes how you, your you, outlook on things. Yeah. So if you're not, if you weren't grateful and like if you weren't able to recognize the opportunity that this has brought into your world, you would parent very differently. But because you recognize this as an opportunity to do something better and give back maybe what you didn't get, I think that's the reason why your parenting approach is so strong. That's correct. I, I would agree with that. Um, I've never always wanted to have kids. There's It's always been a roller coaster. If, if I have kids, I don't want kids. Maybe I'll have kids. To when you have a kid, you're just like, yeah, I don't want to remember not having her. Like, she is my world. And so I have to make sure that, you know, for like you're saying with your friend, if he doesn't, if he's not ready to be the dad or if he, if he can't, he, he wants to. He just probably doesn't have the opportunity or doesn't have the freedom or can't do it yet because of scheduling or something. So a lot of dads that I know that get scared with things like that is because they can't fully dad the way they want to. So why try to dad a little bit, you know, if he can't dad the way they want to. So Mm. they'll just kind of wait and put it on the back burner. I would also offer that some dads can't dad maybe the way they want to because they've never seen it done. And it makes me wonder if you recognize the impact you have on changing the people around you's views on parenting because you're so involved. Like, do you see that you've made an impact? Like, you'll make an impact on your little one as well as everyone around you. I have. I I could definitely see that. I could see my friends wanting to, you know, uh, I want to be a dad. And based on things that I do with them, keep them involved with my little one's life as well. But then comes the part where, and I think you've seen this, where they just want my kid because <laughs> I have been a dad. And they're like, oh, your kid is so great. I want kids, but I want her, like I want my kids to be like your kid. 
I'm like, well, no, that's my kid. Sorry, <laughs> you got to do it. I did all. I did a lot of work. Like, you got to step it up yeah. if you want one like this because it's not easy. No, but it can they definitely don't just be, come like that. It would just what? no, no, it's they not don't pre- because I want her too. Exactly. Let so me tell you, I, like, told- uh, I didn't know I had competition. Oh, you've got a <laughs> you've got a line of people to go through, but she's very she's very calm and she's very relaxed and she's very well mannered. She is incredibly high energy. She's oh, she's high energy. I'll take it. I six. love I she's love that she has so me. much energy. I think she's a lot more calmer than other six year olds is what I'm comparing it to. So, so I want to touch a little bit on what Mandy had just said and asked about how you know you had said that you kind of grew up without a dad. My dad passed away. Mandy's dad wasn't really in the picture either. He left voluntarily. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then at some point, you did have a stepfather. So I don't know what kind of father role he played or how. So the guy my mom is now married to adopted my sister and I. So mm-hmm. he's on our birth certificate. Yeah. He is the person I call dad now. But yeah. yeah, there were a few years where there was no traditional father yeah. figure in the home. And even when a new parent comes in, like it's not the same. His it's different. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really lucky in the stepdad realm. Like, I got a good one. Yeah. That's the reason he's on our birth certificates now. I mean, I got a good guy. I got a dad who was super fucking thrilled to be dadding again and to give us things. You know what I mean? To give us the experience of having a dad in the house. But when you have that abandonment by your biological father, that's a real thing. Of course. And that's why I was saying uh, she had asked a little bit about how sometimes maybe people can't be good dads because they haven't gotten that modeled for them and you know and the same can be said i think let's say for example you you do have a father but they don't father you mm-hmm. quote the right way um that might be e- equally or even more traumatic than not having a father and so uh can you share a little bit about like what kind of role models or what kind of resources did you use or did you have that helped you become the father that you are today for your little one. Absolutely. Because um, you said I, no father growing up. No, no. And uh, my my mother didn't meet my um, stepdad. Them, they've known each other for years, but they weren't actually together. Not until they were with like for like the last 20 something years. My They've had my brother. So never really like a, a solid dad with my mom. But having my grandparents there with my whole life my grandfather who i call papi dad in spanish is um has been the role model but he's a he's a navy guy so it's <laughs> by the book and by the way this explains how you parent like i was gonna refer to you as a little bit of a drill sergeant oh, okay. <laughs> but having the grandfather in the navy is clearly an influence on how you parent and it's funny because it's my grandfather but most of it's my grandmother my oh. grandmother has been a very strong woman in my life and she and my grandfather worked really good together as a team, especially when it comes to raising kids. Um, they know how to do it. They've done it very well. My grandmother raising three children on her own, moving from cross state from one area to a very crazy busy state, becoming super mom herself, keeping very involved with her kids is like something she did again with us grandkids. And so I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to be on the soccer sideline, I'm going to be making the dinners. I'm going to be at the school arguing with the principals about the bad things that my kid did or might not have done. Like that's my role model (laughs) right there. So she's always been a strong person. And in my mind, she's always been the strongest person, even though she is so tiny, like there's nothing that can, that she can't do. So when I, I heard my grandfather being the team were the role models of being 
just a nice overall person. My grandfather taught us manners, how to eat with a fork and knife, how to address people, yes sir, yes ma'am, how to speak when spoken to. And my grandmother just being involved in making things fun and as much as we can do with our day. I, I think Mandy has, she knows this, I don't like to be inside. I like to be outside. It's part of the parenting that I feel like, let's go outside. It's a beautiful day. Let's let's go do that. That's very much my grandparents. Yeah, adventurous. I'm adventurous. Get outside kind of It's person. also a really good balance to me wanting to stay in the yeah. house 95% of the time. So I, I have two questions. I hope I don't forget one or the other. So I'm going to start with one and hope I, hopefully I don't forget the second one. The first one was, I hope you let me know. Feel free. Mandy says that she sometimes kind of considers you kind of like a drill sergeant. So if it's okay with you, if you can hear what she has to say next, I'd like to hear some examples of what makes Des a drill sergeant. Oh, I know what she's going to say. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, you kind of just heard it. The yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Like, Is that what little one... Is he that also how she has responds? a background in kitchens. And sometimes oh. I feel like the way that I feel like their dynamic has a very uh, restaurant oh. style oh. approach to it. Because it's like if the chef barks an order, everyone around goes, yes, chef. Oh, so if there's sort of a Des similar dynamic. What did oh, the little absolutely. one say? Little one says, yes, father. Yes. It's oh, a, it's yes. she does. Yeah. She, I was she just says, joking. She says, yes, dada. <laughs> it's more of a reply that she can hear. I mean, yeah. and, it, and it's. It's not just the way that I was raised. Uh-huh. It was also how her mother was raised. Uh-huh. It's a very strong background with her family and military as well. So, if so, then how if if you're if you're I just ask because it's very similar to my family. Everything that my anyone older than me tells me, I always have to respond in in Vietnamese. But it's very similar. The response that I get is yes. And then I address them by their name. So auntie, yes, uncle, or what you know. And there's a specific way I have to like respond and my family's not military i think it's just our culture what would you do in otherwise like how else do you respond to someone who mandy like this question is directed (laughs) to mandy like how else would one respond to their father or mother when they're they're instructed to do something okay ah see okay if i were to say that to my mother my mother it would be so rude to my yeah it's very rude in my house it's not rude at all like mom dad asks you to do something you're like okay you just get up and do it like there's no sass so but that's what i'm saying it's it's not like a military thing i think it's just like it's a cultural and a very respectful way not having that culture at all in my family but knowing the culture knowing culture in restaurants knowing culture in uh, uh, military backgrounds like that is how it sounds to me interesting okay because that's it's really fascinating. so much more strict it's not that i didn't grow up with rules there just wasn't this there was no higher i don't want to say there wasn't a hierarchy but there definitely wasn't there weren't power plays in between the parents and the kids so there was never there was never any fear or dominance coming from the parents in my household. And I know that's different with the two of you. And maybe for me, I can say I never really considered it as drill sergeant. I really just considered it very like a formal, respectful thing that my parents and my family taught me. That's how you respond. You don't just I say, OK, fear yeah. and respect is a really interesting well, maybe interesting. line. I'm not sure if it's just strictly around built around fear and then as well as how you're raised and culture wise. There are certain things if it's like, oh, can you get your shoes on, please? Yeah, go get your she gets her shoes. But if it's 
you know, a few step process of, hey, can you brush your hair, get your shoes and then get ready to leave? If it's blank or if it's nothing or if it's a nod or a uh-huh. Like an attitude. It, it's yeah. not more of like maybe you heard one of those things. But if we get a yes, Dada or yes, mom, then we know you heard the thing and that's what you're going to do. And in situations like that. But most of the time, I mean, it's there aren't really responses that are needed. But if there is a response needed, a yes, dad. Yeah. Just to know that it got through to you. There's um, something that I, I, I've told Manny before. It's like, you don't talk with your kid, not to your kid. Talk with people, not to people. Once you start talking to people, you start becoming that manager, that owner, that boss that you don't want to become. You just want to be friendly with them all. I Yes, it's very funny how you mentioned the kitchen. The kitchen is... I still do kitchen stuff. I'm still yelling behind people, even at the grocery store and stuff like that. So I could definitely see that with my kid as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, I wouldn't say too much drill sergeant <laughs> when it comes to being clean, maybe, but that's it. I a dirty it. kid is a dirty kid. Could be, <laughs> could get gross and could get sick. So clean kids are great. I just did not have a strict household as a kid. So like, wasn't like parents didn't ask us to do things. I mean, when I was a teenager, they would tell me to clean my room. And I'd be like, okay, but that would never get done. I think culturally, like in my family specifically, is they're not, they're strict just because, I mean, there is this kind of a level of fear that, yeah, you have to be better or you have to do this or you have to do it a certain way. But the respect there was never like pushed in fear. Yeah, it's more no. of just that's how you do it. You, you have to respect your elders. Yeah. That's why I say I wasn't sure about the fear thing, but the respectful thing is. Yeah. And then, and that's how it is. And then and anybody who's older than you, even if it's your mom's friend, you're going to treat them just like how you treat a family member. Just mm-hmm. with respect. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. However you want. Things like that. There's just, there's just a really interesting, there's a line there between fear and respect. And I think a lot of parents struggle with that line of almost wanting their kids to be afraid of the outcome if they don't listen to them and well i think and and i'm not saying that's you i think most parents want all their kids to be a little afraid of something like i we've talked about this before like i want my kid to fall off the swing not to get hurt but i want her to understand that if you're messing around on the swing the wrong way or you do something the wrong way you could get hurt like i want them to get hurt i want them to experience these things that eventually is going to happen. I want to also see it so I can help them. But then there's times where I'm not going to be there to help. So let me let me teach you now or help you now with what I can. So when you do experience that, then yeah, for sure. Let me let me guide you that way. There are times where it just it's going to happen, and and to give that little fear in there, it, it's always going to live there. Yeah, I was never afraid of a parent, but I think Miley's probably got a little. Fear of mom? I have a combination of fear, but not necessarily fear of mom, but fear of disappoint, like disappointing my mom or fear of shaming the family or fear, you know, so like fear as in like just not oh. being honored to the family. That's and, and what <laughs> kind of stress though does that bring? Yeah, but I, I see that. I mean, there was that fear in me as a kid. I think as I got older, slowly but surely that fear went away because I started distancing myself between family um, I think about it all the time when it comes to my kid. I'm like, man, I really hope my kid doesn't distance herself from me, how I have with the family. But sometimes it's a little necessary, especially if that fear is built in. It was always put in there to be the best or the better one. 
I was the first male in my family. There's a lot of females. And so I had to do the male things, had to be tough. I couldn't cry. I had to be the best in this. And, and so it's now at the fact that, or the point where I'm like, I don't need to do that. I'm fine with just me being average or being myself and me being focused somewhere else. I appreciate you bringing that up because when, I mean, again, I'm not an expert at this, but when Mandy and I were doing some research about this concept of involved dads, there's also this other concept of like stay at home dads and normalizing what it's like to have a father who is more involved, whether they're a stay at home dad or not a stay at home dad, whether they work or not, you know, but they're just more involved. And this concept of like, the man quote the man is the one that goes and provides and works and that he can't be the one that goes to quote therapy or uh or does some of these duties or responsibilities that are traditionally known as the female roles and whatnot so i appreciate that you can bring that up and say like you've gotten to a point where you're not kind of binded to these societal stereotypes and you could care less about what they are because at the end of the day it's you being what you think is a great father to your little one. And I think we have a lot of dads that are starting to break that stereotype of having to be the dad that doesn't care or doesn't know, can't make the school recital, things like that. There are more dads stepping up because the opportunity is there to step up and to break that cycle. I know there are dads who do the, you know, nine to five, come home, hang out with their kids for a little bit and then call it a night. And then there are dads who are coming home rushing home to be with their kids so that's more happening more common now than the other dads so in traditionally speaking women are the social of the two genders right like we're the social ones we're the ones who plan the get-togethers plan the outings socialize our kids whereas fathers kind of like you said go to work come home maybe have dinner with the family, maybe get involved a little bit in some bath time or something. And then they're kind of, they punch out for the night and then it starts over the next day. Do you, so I know you're very active with your little one in taking her out and doing lots of things. Do you think that is inherent to you? Or do you think that having the friend, cause you have a great friend group. Do you think having a good friend group helps you with that socializing aspect of your little one? I don't, I haven't seen her hang out with a bunch of kids in our time together, but I know she hangs out with the adults a lot. Um, I, I mean, both, I think parents both do that. They both can figure out social time on it. I have kind of always been that person to make sure my day's full. Now I just include my little one with the day and we do cater around her to things that she'd like or places she'd like to go to. But I think now with social media, dads can find it easier to find things to do with their parent, uh, with their kids, to find things to do with their friends or other kids to do. And so I think moms before would be texting each other, group chats, things like that. But now I want to say because of social media and so much to do, so much, you know, that's happening around that. Yeah, you could schedule things to do and find fun time. But I myself, I think that's always been me. I'm, I'm always on the go. I sometimes you, want to slow myself down. So. Do you think that have you had friends fall off since you've had a kid? Like are the friends that are still around today? Is that because they are more attached, more accepting, more like more willing to be a part of you as a father versus pre-child? Yes, uh, definitely. All parents are going to have that. You're going to lose friends. You're going to 
get out of touch with friends. I don't think I've lost friends, but I've more of just haven't been hanging out with them, haven't seen them as often because they're just not into kids or they don't even know how to handle kids, especially when they're newborns. I think in the first year or so, any of my friends that have newborns, I don't really see them and their kids, even though I've been through that. It's more of like, okay, I've been here, done that. You need your time. You need time to grow with them. But um, the friends that I have now, they're there because they've, they're the closest friends. They're the, they're the, the keepers of the group. You're going to always, they're the uncles and the aunts. They're not going anywhere. They're in the family, basically. Okay. And I'm curious now, saying some of the things you said, how has your definition, and I don't know if you've ever defined this, but how has your definition of being a man changed since having a kid? I think mostly being a man is, when having a kid is just stepping up for your kid. That's probably one of the most manliest things that you could do is just to be that person that your kid needs for you to be the dad your kid needs I don't think that it's changed anything else in me other than having to act manly or or to be the provider it's more of just the mo- the most manly thing I could do is just be the dad that I need to be for my for my kid basically I hear you say taking on more responsibility like accepting responsibility like did that change like, do you think you were suddenly more responsible or you had a different sense of responsibility once you became a dad? Oh, yeah. Everything changes. The world changes on how you uh, you view things. So, yes, responsibility. You have zero responsibility, but it's just yourself. You, you're selfish. You only think about yourself. The second you have another person in your life, like a, a kid, you have all these responsibilities and you have to push you know, yourself aside and just focus on those and do that as well as not to forget about yourself, but responsibilities wise, you have to step it up. You it's, it's a, it's a hard thing to like put a specific word on it, but yeah, you have to just step up as a parent to be a dad, to be a mom, to be a parent overall. No follow-up questions. (laughs) I really like that. That was a great question, Mandy, about if your definition of being a man has changed. And I really like that definition or that answer you gave, Vince. I do want to go back a little bit to Mandy had mentioned the whole socializing concept and how uh, when I was reading up on some of this stuff, um, socializing can be a little bit more difficult. But you had mentioned how social media is an option. And in my search, I had found that there are several like uh, daddy circles that fathers can come like together and socialize as fathers, but also maybe even, you know, kid dates or play dates and things like that. And so I wanted to bring that up just so that our listeners knew that there's a lot of resources out there in addition to you. It sounds like you have been very, um, you've been very blessed to have friends and you have a great support system. And so one of the things in with this episode is really, I really hope that our listeners know that there are a lot of resources out there that can help if they want to do better, be better, step up. Absolutely. I mean, there's tons of things to, to research. There's tons of programs to look at. There's tons of activities that happen as well. One thing I encourage all dads, and this is something I do, I could talk to other dads. I know a lot of dads shy away from it. Um, and as well as like, even if it's something that your kids are doing together at the at the jump park, you're there with your kid. You already have something in common with that guy's kid. So why not just, hey, what's going on? Or if you see them a few times, talk to them. Because dads need dad friends. Because it's fun 
there's a group of different friends to have. You have your friends that don't have kids. You have your friends who have kids that might not be the same age, but they're friends with the kids. And then you have the rare dad who's around your age who might like the things you like, but your kids are the same age and they like each other. They like the same things. You become friends immediately with that dad, even if you're just complete opposites. You become friends with that dad because your kids can bring it together. It's so funny that you say that because it just makes me think of all my friends who have kids. And ever since they've had friends, like ever since my friends have had kids, I know that sometimes I don't get invited to some of the mommy events because like it's their thing that they kind of have in common and I don't have a kid. So it's not like I can show up to a mommy kid play date but I can see like from the perspective of my friends who have kids that I'm part of their circle of friends that don't have kids and we hang out I babysit their kids I hang out with them and their kids I hang out with them without their kids Uh, we just have a different dynamic but I know that I'm not you know I'm not I don't take it personally but I can see how being a parent so not just a mom or a dad but just being a parent it's nice to have the circle of the different circles of friends it's not a bad thing at all Uh, but if you don't have a circle of friends, if you're a parent and you don't have a circle of friends who are also parents, um, I mean, maybe that's the problem when I when I talk about socializing, the like it's being it's difficult for parents if you don't have that. So definitely, you know what Des said, you know, look, look out, seek out people who have a kid to, you know, so that you can share that, too, because they probably get some of the things that you're going through. And so I have another question <laughs> for you, Des. You're a single dad 50% of the time, right? Can you tell me one of the biggest challenges to being a single dad to a little girl and then one of the perks of being a single dad? Specifically to a little girl? Sure. Yes. I'll go with that. One of the biggest challenges of being a single dad to a little girl is what's happening down there for the little girl. I have specifically have to ask my girlfriends or friends who have little girls on certain things. Um, what's happening, how it feels. It's not something that I grew up with, something, you know, those areas down there. But um, that's one of the challenges. Um, I think a lot of the dads, when they have little girls, they'll have those challenges. Find a good pediatrician. Like, I have a great pediatrician. It, she'll answer everything. She'll call. She'll text. She'll video chat if we need to. So that's always a plus. But um, I would say something that I, that's super easy to me being a dad. A perk. a perk. Give me, like, a perk that maybe you didn't expect. That I didn't expect. I did not expect for my little daughter to be as involved in sports as I am. But she is a daddy's girl. She is into everything that I love. And I love that because it's like, it's my little mini me. So if I like something, she immediately likes something. I mean, even if it comes to food, activities, sports, the people I'm with, she definitely gravitates. So that is one of my biggest perks. I can't imagine having a little mini me as a as a boy because when i was six i didn't like anybody <laughs> or anything I, I know that i was a little destructor you know i was ruining things left and right my little daughter is just my my princess she could do no wrong so that's definitely the biggest perk i think she would disagree to that but <laughs> oh i'm sure she would but 
she could she could do something in front of me and get away with it. I would you know she could break the law and I'd be like she didn't do it. <laughs> she is one hundred percent a mini you though. It's really funny because if the TV is on and there's a sporting event on, you know they're always talking about other games and what's on next and showing the scores. She'll just like yell out the scores to other games that are happening or be like, oh my gosh, the Spurs are playing the Suns tomorrow. I'm like. Why does she care? She's like, what about the F1 race? I'm like, why does she know there's an F1 race? (laughs) All kids should know about F1 races. (laughs) I love it. I was like, I just learned what F1 was. Like, she probably knew what F1 was before I did. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. She likes. She's like, Dad, how much money do we have on this game today? (laughs) Let's cut that out. (laughs) That does not have to be. (laughs) You're like, which way do we want to bet on this? Who are we picking? You're thinking I'm raising a bad kid here. <laughs> so what if she knows the over, unders and overs? It's fine. Yeah. she <laughs> She's got to learn sometime. It's math. If if she doesn't learn from it's her father, math. she's going to learn oh, from somebody wow. else. So, yes. I'm teaching her math and statistics. Yes. <laughs> Out of the box parenting. How cute. <laughs> oh, boy. Is there anything we didn't ask you about that you'd like to share? Um, one thing I would just say it's, and I tell this to a lot of my friends who are wanting to have kids now, it's, it's so fun. I guess it it is scary, but just like life is scary. Everything is scary. Driving is scary. You know, going to the grocery store sometimes is not the easiest for certain people. Having a kid, you don't know it's going to change your life, but in a way better way than you thought. So don't be afraid of it. Um, the world we live in now, it's kind of hard to want to bring kids in, but it's fun. And um, be involved. Have fun. That's it. It's really fun to watch you parent. Thank you. That's a, That makes me feel really happy. I, that's, all I, I'm, I, that's all I want to be as a parent. That's all. I love it. Thank you. You're welcome. I will go ahead and end it full circle with uh, Des had introduced us through his bio that he's a Swifty. And let me just say for those of you who are listening to us. That girl strikes me as one that maybe didn't have a dad in the household. I I wasn't going to go there, but uh, he is in the studio with us wearing his Taylor Swift t-shirt. So for those of you who aren't in the studio with us... uh, Full circle. He he means what he says when he's a Swifty. He wasn't just saying that. He's the Eras tour. Yes. He took his little to mm-hmm. the Phoenix concert, the first show of the tour. She asked me to take her to a concert, and then Taylor <laughs> Swift announced her concert. She said, "I want to go to Taylor Swift for my first concert," and I said, "Sure, why not?" And we did. I did not think I was going to be able to get tickets, but when I, what, I got yeah. tickets, then when when you told me you were going, I was like, "How did you get tickets?" Everybody I know is the same way, but you know, we had a great time. It was one of the longest concerts I've ever experienced. <laughs> it took us about two hours to get home from the concert. Oh my! I've been to that stadium with grown men drinking, watching a football yeah. game, who are much yeah. nicer oh. than a lot of the people there wow. <laughs> this okay. time around. But it was a, it was a good time, and I love the shirt. Oh, well then. Only because we're talking about Taylor Swift and like feelings and things tend to come up about Taylor Swift. Do you think you ask your daughter a lot? How do you feel about that? Does that come naturally to you to ask her how she feels about things? Or do you think you assumed that question as a result of like being single, like no mom in the same household anymore? 
how you feel about you ask her how she feels about everything like if there's something going on in her life you say well how do you feel about that i think that's just a um a tool that i use because that's how it's used on me with like therapy and i've always like my my grandfather especially when playing sports if we lost the games how does that make you feel how are you feeling right now of course you're feeling disappointment and anger but that's at that moment. I want to understand how she's feeling uncertain, like new events or new things to her life. So let's discuss it because sometimes the feelings are there. And I think a lot of, especially, especially little kids, sometimes will hide their feelings or just pocket it until it comes out the next time and it come out, it can come out great or bad. So I just like to ask her how the feeling is. And let's, let's chat about it. Cause I might have some insight to it or, it, it might be very new to me as well. Anything else that we didn't ask you that you'd like to share? Nope. I think I'm good here. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for sharing. You're welcome. We appreciate it. Neither one of us are parents or, nor da- or, or male. So we thank you for sharing your, your perspective and your experience. Mm-hmm. Thank you for having me. With all 5,000 people that listen to the show. 5,001. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, Des. I think this is a really important topic to us that uh, we wanted to highlight. And thank you so much for spending time with us and our listeners. Love you, Miley. I love you too, Mandy, and all of our listeners as well. And as a final note, if you would be so kind to give us a rating and review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it is truly helpful to our little show. And if you found this episode helpful to you, please share it on social media or with a loved one. You can find and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Woman Get In. And you can find me, Miley, at Dr. Smiley Miley. And I, Mandy, am at MandyPants15 on Instagram. Thanks so much, friends. We'll see you next week. 